0: Honey, oh, honey, <laughs> we're uh, we're here. We're ready for another episode of the Rise Together podcast. Are oh, you ready I, to rise?
1: I just don't want to together. You know why? Why? I'm kidding. I'm not going to make an excuse about not wanting <laughs> to talk about anything on Rise Together, honey. This <laughs> oh, is an episode look at all you about excuses. To set
0: it up. That's right. This week we are digging into the excuses that you have to let go of as a couple. Uh, In my new book, Girl, Stop Apologizing, I discuss all of the excuses that dreamers and goal-oriented people and women who want something more, what are those things that you need to give up if you're going to pursue a better life? And we thought it would be really interesting to discuss the excuses that so many couples have that they have to let go of if they want something better.
1: If you want to have an exceptional relationship.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really interesting when you are in a couple, especially if you think the same way or are like-minded, your excuses are doubly powerful because now there are two of you holding on to them.
1: Oh, I actually, I mean, I think it's like if each of you has an excuse or a, a way of weighing in on what you think is possible for your relationship, the person who thinks the least or the person who has the most excuses, sets the bar almost. Like the person who is most sure that you're not the couple who does dot, 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 or the person who is least motivated to reach for more basically acts as a, a bit of an anchor that keeps the relationship from becoming what it can. So it's a, this is a conversation that both parties have to be on board for.
0: I'm Rachel Hollis.
1: And I'm Dave Hollis.
0: And we're married.
1: For like 15 years.
0: And we have four kids.
1: That's like a thousand kids.
0: We've been foster parents to four kids as well.
1: And we're running a business together.
0: That's a lot of things.
1: It is a lot of things.
0: But we know that it's possible to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life.
1: So if you want some tips and tricks on how we get through all the things,
0: this is Rise Together. you only don't question what you absolutely capital T truth believe
1: you only don't question what you absolutely capital T truth believe
0: meaning if you are absolutely certain about something you don't question it you have to- it's faith right you have total faith in something and rarely do we have as much faith as we do about the things we're positive we can't accomplish.
1: Ooh, and you know what's interesting is the person in your life that is most likely to influence you in questioning the things that you absolutely T-truth believe is your partner.
0: The the things that we know for sure, the things that we like cling to, those excuses that we make, we're like, oh, no, I know that this is a fact. I know that we'll never get out of this place. I know that it never gets better. I know that we'll never make money I, because that is the reality that you know. And so it's really easy to cling to that because it's the reality that you know. The possibility, the the maybe this could get better, the maybe we could pursue these things, in order to, to believe that you have to ask some questions, you have to challenge the way you've already thought. And so when when push comes to shove, we're going to cling to what we know. And what we know usually are... The excuses we've been holding on to forever. Does that make sense?
1: It makes sense to me. I grew up in a family where one bad thing would happen to one person that one member of the family knew. It may have been a one in five million chance. And yet because it happened to this one person that somebody knew or even like, well, you know, it was a friend of so-and-so's that like this happened to that like, that then stood as a proxy for everyone who could ever walk into that same situation ever again. And they were convinced, oh, if you travel here, if you chase this dream, if you put yourself outside of the comfort zone, if you do this or that. And so I, I really grew up in a world where the experiences of other people informed how I had to think about limiting myself from doing other things.
0: Well, and in most of those situations, that's fear-based, right? Oh, for sure. So something happened to someone, someone you probably didn't even know, but because whatever happened was alarming to the members of your family who then shared that story, it became your narrative. I will
1: tell you a real quick, in real time, I'm gonna blow my mom up a little bit here on this one. We ran a half marathon on Sunday, and I ran my best time. I'm feeling like I am literally flying from Waco to Austin as we are driving home. I get back to the house. My mom sends a note and is like, hey, how'd the, how'd the half marathon go? And I tell her, I tell her how fast I went. She's asking how long a half marathon is. I 13 miles. Oh, my goodness. You got to watch out for your hips and your knees, right? Like, <laughs> and she told me a story about one person she knew one time who, as a long distance runner, had a problem with their hip. And I was like, okay, I dig that that did happen. And I like, I, man, I want to like send them a card or something to help them get through the hip stuff that they had to deal with. But I am in the best shape of my life. Mm -hmm. And the idea that like you have a fear-based reaction because of this one time, this one thing happened, don't let that be the excuse for you getting out and moving your body, mom, go.
0: Well, I also think you, in that instance, you have to be careful about how often you have a negative outlook on literally anything. Oh, yeah. Um, I I, I find this um, negativity is something I it's just I have I'm repellent to it. It's like my kryptonite. And I think because I'm so conscious of it, we push really hard for our staff, for our kids, anyone who's around us that I notice it so much more than probably the average bear, because as like one of the things I write down every single day in my start to day journal is I am one of the most optimistic people I know. And in order to be one of the most optimistic people, you know, you have to reach for joy. You have to believe that people are inherently good. You have to look for good things in the world. And so I notice negativity so often. And I don't, like, the reason I think of it is I, I think that my family tends to be very negative.
1: I'm reprogramming myself a little bit in yeah. real time. Yeah. And it's, I just always kind of chalked it up to being pragmatic, but it really was negative. Yeah. Right? It was You know, like as much as there was 95% probability of the good thing happening, I tended to be the person on the lookout for the thing that 5% of the time could happen. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I think that there's so many reasons why we cling to excuses, why we cling to it might not work, why we... All of it, right? We're not saying there's not a reason that you are programmed the way that you are. But our lives have really exploded and come alive and been more vibrant and more joyful and more fun and we do better work we love each other better we parent better when we really stopped clinging to the excuses that were weighing us down and so we felt like we wanted to talk to you about what has made the biggest changes in our lives which excuses as a couple we let go of that we felt like everything just fell into place
1: Those are good words. Number one on the list. That's not who we are.
0: That's not who we are.
1: That's not who we are.
0: So the example that I think of for this one is health related. We both come from families where health was not a focus. Definitely not how it is today. And frankly, who came through the 80s? And, you know, who (laughs) who was a child of the 80s and like had a super healthy Outlook. But for us, we definitely didn't come from a family that was health conscious on either side. And when we first got married, it's kind of crazy. Like it's crazy for me to think back to a time period where we did not work out. Ever at all, even one time.
1: By the way, at the prime of my life, when like if I were working out like I Uh, was today, right, I would be a Hemsworth. I'd be jumped into the Hemsworth clan. I'm
0: like Rachel when you had all that nubile, fresh skin, and you didn't even try and like just move your body even a little bit.
1: There was a road trip that we took when we when I was moving to (laughs) Minneapolis to work for the Walt Disney Company. (laughs) Uh, we were not yet even engaged. But yep. Rachel went on this road trip with me and we took Who pictures.
0: are those people? Where did we go?
1: We stopped at every, every Denny's. Denny's along the way. Yes. And the pictures over of us, I mean, I still have them. The pictures of us, I don't recognize. The Because yeah. we... We're an, just an unhealthy version the of Superbird ourselves. The
0: Superbird is a, a really delicious turkey cheese. Moons over Miami yeah. and this
1: and the Superbird yeah. were just like they were the bomb. But we were having it three and five times a Honestly, day sometimes,
0: and stopping at gas stations and getting cookies and cokes and like, oh my gosh, you know the Lord protects fools and children because we were both and we were just putting so much garbage into our body
1: what we didn't realize and the thing is like hey guess what like there is someone that is listening to this right now that's like how dare you i want to go to denny's every single day and the thing is you may in fact want that in part because you may not understand the trade-off that might come in not having it yeah because i did not appreciate How much more I could accomplish, how much better I could show up for Rachel or for my kids, how much better I could lead this team with energy by having a different level of discipline around what I eat and how frequently I work out. It is a game changer to our relationship. But the
0: thing was, for the longest time, we didn't work out because we had this excuse like, oh, we're just not workout kind of people. We're not wired that way. Oh, we're just not salad kind of people. Oh, we're just not drink water kind of people. We didn't and grow it, up in homes that had that as a up, focus. Like, we're just not wired that way. That's not who we are. And I really honestly believed that people who... Worked out every day or people who ate healthy. I really just believe that God made them differently than He made me.
1: I had a roommate for two or three years, Nathan. What's up, Nathan? You think
0: Nathan listens to this podcast?
1: I hope he does if he wants to be involved in his relationships. But (laughs) he was a cross country runner. And I can remember watching him do his cross country with his different body type than mine. And what I thought, frankly, was a different kind of desire in his heart. Like, I thought he just was born with this interest in pushing himself to run long distances. And I think now to the fact, I mean, I sent him my, look, I set a personal record for my half marathon with pride because I know as a runner he can appreciate, wow, that's a, that's a good time. Good for you. I, had, I just let myself believe, you know what, I wasn't built with a body that can run. And I didn't run for my entire life until six years ago. And here we've done 11 half marathons yeah. and, lo- and just love to run. Yeah, But it was ridiculous to think that because my body was built a certain way that it was just a thing that I didn't do. Yeah,
0: here, here's, the, here's the... I was going to say, I just read this book called um, The Road Less Stupid and he always says, here it is on a bumper sticker. So I'm going to steal Keith Cunningham's line. Here it is on a bumper sticker. Who you are is not who you have to be. Like, who you were is not who you are becoming. Just because you haven't been this person yet doesn't mean you never will. So I'm just not wired that way is the biggest bull crap excuse I've ever heard in my entire life. Watch your mouth. You, I said crap.
1: I understand, but you, now you've said it twice.
0: You are wired whatever way you wire yourself. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is that every day you have the potential to set out and rewire your brain and rework who you are every day
1: we woke up one day and decided that we were runners and we had not been but the decision was one that we actively made now making the decision i'm gonna i'm a person that works out requires the second step which is the follow-up actually doing the work becoming committed to if it ends up being a workout kind of thing a program that you're doing regularly but whatever the thing is right like you you have to first declare it hey i am a person who is debt-free i'm a person who eats like this i'm a person who puts down technology when i'm with my kids and then after you've made the declaration follow it up with some work
0: well and i would say your attitude as well like i i went to um on recently I went to get a massage and I was getting a massage because we were, tr- we were in the middle of training and my legs were really hurting and I needed like a sports massage. And so I went to this place and this woman said, um, she was like, Oh, is there any? And I said, yeah, Will you work on my legs. Cause I'm doing a half marathon. She was like, Oh, I did a half marathon once. And I was like, Oh yeah. I and she was like, I, hated it. I hated every single step of it. It was the worst thing I've ever done. I was miserable at the end and I just was like, oh, remember I talked about negativity I was like, get your get energy away from me." Away from me. But on. I just thought I thought you're never ever going you-, you didn't stand a chance of enjoying that journey. You didn't even stand a chance. You decided it sucked before you ever took your first step. Yeah. And incidentally, you found whatever willpower you needed to finish the race, but you were never in it. Your heart was never in it. Your will, was like you just, you did it even though you hated it. And so that's the second thing that happened is, is someone says, okay, that's just not who I am. And then they're like, okay, but I'll try. But you're doing it with so much effort anger in your heart so much hatred in your heart it's like why are you even here oh if
1: you want to prove that you're not the kind of person that does certain things if you make that decision that declaration whether it's public or in your head right you can confirm that every single time yeah, that's, as well yeah
0: that's like your partner saying like hey babe let's do this thing together and you're like I'm not a runner but I'll do it but then the whole time you're training with the attitude of like see I'm gonna get to the end of this and I'm gonna pr- and I'm gonna tell her I told you that I hated this because you got to prove her wrong or were yourself right maybe but don't don't try and make some kind of change and then still cling to the belief that like like you're so afraid of change, you got to prove yourself right, even when the that version of you is a jerk. Henry, like, F-
1: Henry Ford: Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. You're
0: right. Right. Yeah. So, the number one excuse: That's not who you are. Listen up, you guys. You as a couple, you're whoever you decide to be today, and then you wake up every single day and you keep making the decision to be those people. Period. Second excuse.
1: Number two. We're not goal kind of people. Goal in quotes.
0: Yep. Like people just say, like, oh, I'm just not like a goal. Like, I'm just not into goals. I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not a dreamer. I'm not someone who works for something. I'm not, this kind of makes me want to beat my head against a wall.
1: Well, I mean, like, number one, like individual goals, for sure. That's bananas. I can't even imagine. But not having goals as a couple makes, having the chance for reaching a destination really tough. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're hoping that you're just going to happen to fall into uh, the exceptional version of what you'd like out of your relationship, but you don't have an idea of what that looks like, how in the world could you possibly get there?
0: Well, I also feel like the, the people that you want to be the life that you want, want to have, that's on the other side of a goal. Oh yeah. You have to be working towards something. And the the idea like, oh, we're just not we're just not goal, we're not driven. Okay. The reason this makes me want to bang my head against the wall is that this is an example of someone who is letting life live them.
1: Yeah.
0: You're not living life if you're not in control or having direction on where you're going and the goal can be something simple the goal can be like we want to be more in love we want to be more intentional parents we want to save money we want to pay off our credit card but you got to have something and saying that you're not a goal kind of person is a cop-out
1: well I, I tend to want to go always to a place of reverse engineering if you can identify the five things that create the most strain on your relationship you have the answer to what you ought to try and establish Ooh. as goals to make yes. your relationship better. If a constant struggle comes up around the like, how we're going to make rent conversation, yes. Yes. then creating a goal for you as a couple financially needs to be a priority. If you're having trouble feeling like you're connecting intimately, then you need to create some goals about how you, even if it comes at the expense of spontaneity, are forcing a little bit of you know time for you together as a couple, including maybe putting a makeout session on the calendar so that it just is happening. But whatever the thing is, whatever those things are that are acting today as barriers or friction points in your relationship, start there if you're a person who says, I'm just not a goal-oriented kind of person, or we're just not a goal-oriented kind of couple.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the um, how this like Dave and I are both we we got we got all kinds of goals, and we have a lot of goals for our company. And so I think it's easy for us to focus in on company goals and could and we could potentially lose sight of like personal goals. How are we pushing ourselves personally? How are we pushing ourselves as a couple? How are we growing together as a family? Uh, And so that was why having the half marathon was so great, which shout out to Dave. High five. That was totally his idea. And something that he let out on was he was like, there needs to be something that we're working toward. And not just like working only for business-focused stuff. Uh, We're sitting here recording this podcast in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. Uh, Because for me, one of my biggest goals right now is rest and connection. Like the business could eat us alive if we let it. And, And I think sort of what society tells you to aim for, what the media tells you to aim for, or what so many people like in this field or so many other entrepreneurs that we know of are, there is like an obsession with how much money can you make? How much, you know, like, can you fly around on a golden jet? Like, (laughs) you you know, and that for us, I'm just like, oh, that is not the life that I am trying to have. Uh, I care about what we're building and I care about making money. I do. We both grew up super poor, we're actually going to record a podcast about finances and how we approach them as a couple. But I refuse to chase business or financial success to the detriment of our personal life.
1: By the way, though, this in real time, this is an example. If you don't have goals as a relationship, if you don't have values that you both have decided are the things that, that should act as the North star of where you're going as a couple, Then the pursuit of one or the other person in the relationship's career Mm. or the pursuit of whatever it might be has the chance if you're not focusing on what the goals are and whether the goals tie back to the values, they can pull you off course. They could pull you down into a ditch on the side of the road and you just you don't want to let, again, life live you in that way.
0: Yeah. And I would also say for this, it reminded me of Alexander Hamilton. I mean, how often do I get to make an Alexander Hamilton very reference? Very rarely. Not often enough. <laughs> is um, if you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Ooh. So like the, or if you, if you, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. So if you don't know what the goal is, or if you don't know what you as a couple care about most, you will very easily be swayed into the perception of the world telling you what matters.
1: Yeah. And, and I would say too, like you can start with things that don't sound super glamorous in terms of goals like just like connection could be a goal of yours Mm -hmm. The, the next step then is well what do you tactically have to do to make that goal come together and for like this idea of rest it was making sure our calendar is a reflection of the desire for rest as a goal or when it comes to connecting with our kids implementing a we have dinner as a family around the table at 6.30 p.m. every single night as a rule. That's a tactic mm-hmm. that is a means to a bigger goal of having the kind of relationship with our kids that we want. Make a goal yeah. that solves a problem in your relationship and then build the tactics that make that goal a thing yeah. that you can achieve. And
0: do it together. Oh, it yeah. can't just be one person being like, guess what? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. We're getting
0: fit because if only one part member of the couple wants something you will never have true success because you don't have buy-in from the other person. Like you can't pull someone along. You can't badger someone along. You can't. And like, if you're right now like, yeah, but my partner doesn't go back. We have episodes about how you get your partner to change if you want change, but it can't just be one sided one person wanting it because it will never be successful. Third thing.
1: Number three.
0: We don't have time. How dare you? (laughs) We don't have time is one of the excuses that we hear so often. I want to be more connected to my partner, but we don't have time. I wish we could go on date nights, but I don't have time. I want to vacation together. I want to this. I want to that. I want to work out, but we don't have time.
1: I want to chase my side hustle. Yeah,
0: but I don't have time. And the reality is we all get the same amount of hours in the day. Now, we don't all have the same resources, we don't all have the same level of help, we don't all have the same circumstances, and it's different for every couple and every family and every individual, but at the end of the day, you don't find the time, you make the time.
1: Yeah, and there are definitely um, things that today you have given weight to that are a reflection of your priorities. And so, uh, like, Game of Thrones is happening right now, I'm told, right? There was a big winter sequence, I understand, from the internet.
0: I think there was some kind of fight.
1: There was a fight of some kind. I've never seen one episode. Yeah. And not having seen one episode, in part, is a reflection of the priority that I've put on the things I do that don't involve screens and watching TV. And so if... You are a person that's like, I will stab you with the sword of Alcazar, or whatever the name of a character (laughs) from Game of Thrones is. I mean,
0: there's a good chance someone in that show is named Alcazar. It seems like it. We've never seen it. There's dragons, there's fire, and there's snow, from what I
1: understand, because winter always seems like it's coming. I think the snow might
0: be a person.
1: Oh. Yeah. Well, either way. Yeah. But the bottom line is... I just know, like, um, he
0: died, and then he... Came back you might really
1: decide said. that making sure that you have seen every episode of game of thrones is a priority that takes precedence over something else which by the life. way
0: you're allowed to do you but then don't say that you don't have time it's not that you don't have time it's that you use it on other things that's
1: right that's so you, right i mean there are people and i was one of them like eight seconds ago really like three years ago that just thought that i was not a person who could get up in the morning. That. Getting up before 6.30 in the morning would ruin my beauty rest. And if you've seen me, you know I need my beauty rest. (laughs) Um, And then I changed my position on that because I started getting up and saw the wonder that is the productivity that can happen between 5 and 6.30 before our children wake.
0: Well, and can I say... Making that decision also meant that you had to prioritize time in the evening. Oh yeah. Because in order to get up at five, you can't go to bed at eleven thirty.
1: I used to go to bed at eleven thirty almost every single night and I haven't seen eleven thirty in three years. Like if I'm up at eleven thirty, it better be because I'm a part of a kidnapping gone sideways. (laughs) Like I like literally don't want to be awake uh, past like eight PM right now.
0: Agreed. So the idea that you don't have time for something is not serving you. Sit down as a couple decide what the priorities are decide what the goal is and then find room make room put it in your calendar together and commit that this is something that is so important and so valuable to you that you will stop saying that you don't have time
1: also look at your calendar like like do a diagnostic like the irs was auditing you go through your calendar over the last you know if you aren't writing things down write things down for a month then look at that month and ask yourself, did I say yes to this thing because it was a reflection of what is a priority in my life or did I say yes because I was prodded out of guilt of what it might mean to say no by the other people at school or by, by in-laws or by whoever it might be? Because part of having time is inevitably having to say no to people that you're saying yes to today And that's okay.
0: The next thing on our list. It's number four, Number four. This is a good one. The excuse is, this is as good as it gets.
1: Oh, man. I've got friends who have convinced themselves that this this mediocre marriage that they're in, this mediocre life that they're living out is just the the ticket that they got. Just it's, the way it is. It's just the lot that they have and that, you know, I got to be grateful. You know, you know what? I, I, I've i got the ability to walk like I, I can, you know, like I live in America. Yeah. So like I don't know that I should be greedy and necessarily want to have a life that feels more full or that affords me the opportunity to impact more people. Like I'm just going to be OK with being OK.
0: I honestly feel like. This is, you are in a habit loop that you can't see out of. Yeah. You've just gone through it so many times that it doesn't even occur to you that there's another way to live. And I mean, if you are listening to our voices right now, you need to hear this. Your relationship is as good as the amount of work that you put into it straight up. Yeah. So if you think that this is as good as it gets, it's because you are put like if if the relationship is mediocre, it's because you're putting in mediocre effort. If if you don't if you're not attracted to each other, if you're not feeling sexy, if it's not fun, if you're not laughing together, if you're not growing together, that is because you have decided. The two of you have decided that it's not worth it.
1: And one of the things that may be happening that you are not even aware of is that you have put yourself into community that has normalized Ooh, mediocrity. Yes. So if yes. you...
0: preach that.
1: I will preach that. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> if your circle, the people you're hanging out with regularly, find themselves more often than not also identifying as, you know what? This is just as good as it gets around these parts. The chances that you'll even realize that something Bigger or better is available to your relationship is unbelievably small.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think um, we so many couples we know, so 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 many couples we know are like friendly roommates.
1: It makes me sad. It
0: really makes me sad. It's like the most depressing thing I can imagine. Or they're friendly roommates or they're focused on, you know, we're we're partners who are raising these kids together. And I always think about those people, I'm like, when the last one leaves the house. And you still have, I don't know, 40 years left alive or 30 years left or 20 years left with this person, 20 years, 30 years, you've spent all your time. You said, oh, we're just here. We're raising these kids. That's what matters. And then your kids are gone, living their own lives. What are you going to do?
1: I I mean... I, I think I believe, I, when, when I be- one, I agree with everything that you just said, I didn't mean to like pivot so fast, but the idea coming into marriage that it was starting at the top and was a downhill right. slope yes. was a thing that I think I naively, whether it was media or the other relationships that I had modeled for me growing up or whatever, I think I walked into our marriage thinking, You better enjoy this wedding night because (laughs) everything after this (laughs) is just a little bit less and it has been the complete opposite. I agree. We are better friends and are more in love and have more sex and do the things that make us each bigger supporters of each other today Mm -hmm. than we ever have in our relationship. And so if, if for whatever reason, if you are listening and believe like I did at one point in my life that you know what it's good and then it goes from it's great and then it goes to good and then it goes to just survive it until one of the two of you dies yeah. like that is that's a that's a narrative that if you think is the way it's supposed to go will manifest in your life but it's not the way it has to be
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The the this is as good as it gets in anything. Your health, the way you parent, the way you are together what you can pursue for yourself or like financially struggling financially. Oh, it's never going to get better than this. We're always going to live paycheck to pay. Like you are choosing that reality. You're buying into it. And every single day you like punch your time clock on the mediocre life that you have and you're never able to see past it because you're not demanding more of yourself and each other.
1: Every day in my start today journal, I write down one of the exact same things on line two, which is I Intentionally and deliberately pursue my wife. It's not that I do it as well as I should every single day, but I write it down because it's not enough to say that I want to have a great relationship or that I want to be happy in our marriage. The happiness or the fulfillment that comes out of our relationship is a reflection of the effort that I've put in to staying in a posture of pursuit. Yeah. So if I can pursue you the way I did before I knew you'd stick around. Yeah. <laughs> that like the, if I pursued you the way that, you know, anyone would hope to be pursued while you're courting someone, mm-hmm. the chances that it will reciprocate in how you want to show up for me, that will make out, that will do the things that you want in a, in a great relationship. They're just, they're hired. It's yeah. going to, it's going to work out better. Um, and I use it as a cue it's a prompt because there are days when I forget to you know even be married yeah and I'm gonna like always remind myself look it's the, don't take for granted that we're gonna have a great relationship just because we live in the same house together and we've got rings on
0: yeah uh, um, my line that I write down is I'm an exceptional wife yeah and for me it's interesting that yours is about like pursuit which I mean, I'm in like, that is what I want from you. I want you to tell me I'm pretty. I want you to ask me on a date. I want you to pursue us. How I think of exceptional is um, beyond just like your love language is acts of service. And so I want to be mindful of doing things for you, doing acts of service so that you feel loved in the way you like to feel loved. Uh, But it also is exceptional is grace to me because I can be um, I can close down I can shut down I can be very like tell myself stories in my head about what you're really doing or what you really mean or what you meant when you said that thing and to me exceptional is the willingness to like step back and look at what's really happening instead of the story that I'm telling myself in my head and giving you the benefit of the doubt and giving us the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if that makes sense. Makes
1: perfect sense. The last thing I'll say on this, the idea that this is as good as it gets, both of you need to adopt, but at least one of you need to adopt an unwillingness to settle for this excuse and create some accountability in your relationship that holds it to the standard that you hoped, hope it will grow into. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we've each taken turns kind of carrying that mantle at different stages yes. or seasons in our relationship where it was like, uh, uh-oh, uh, I see that you're not showing up in a way that is serving us or serving you as an individual, and I'm going to be that accountability partner, hold a mirror up, and and do it in, in a way that is graceful, yeah. for sure. But like, w- at, at least one of you has to today say, this is, this is insane, this is crazy. The idea that we should settle for mediocre or just getting by or this just being as good as it gets. I want more and as a result of my declaring that more is a thing that we are here for, I'm now gonna hold our relationship accountable in these ways so that you can actually get there.
0: And I feel like someone needs to hear this right now. Your partner wanting more doesn't mean your partner wants something else mm. like most of the time I think especially on the, on the side of women uh, you know when we decide to make change when we pursue more it can be threatening to men
1: oh man it, like it, when you were really chasing growth like I you know getting up earlier and reading all these books and starting to go to personal development conferences and anything my reaction was, to hate it and I and I see a lot of times from the community what if my husband's not into this yeah and I can tell you from my personal experience my not being into it not my not being into it was insecurity fear and the fear was that if you grow you may grow out of me you may grow to a place where you don't like me want me or need me yeah. and that insecurity made me show up in a way that was disgruntled by your pursuit of So, growth. just
0: in case someone needs to hear me say this right now she she doesn't want other she wants more she wants more of you guys together she wants more passion she wants more love she wants more laughter she wants more date night she wants more health she wants more vibrancy she doesn't want another man
1: And I can tell you, for the men that are listening, if your wife, your partner, who happens to be a woman, chooses and wants to reach for a better version of herself, the thing that you're afraid of, that she's going to grow into something that is uncertain, different, yes, she will grow into something that is less certain and different in a great way because she will become a fuller, better version of herself and in that posture be able to pour back into this relationship and you in a way that also helps you become more whole and able to become your best version of yourself. Too. I
0: also feel like the only surefire way to truly alienate your partner is to stay stuck.
1: Or, or, you know, if you're at the bottom of the pit and they're climbing out, pull them back down Ooh, with you.
0: Yes, that's good. That's good. We're talking about sabotages in an upcoming episode. Uh, stay tuned. Number five. Last one. Last one. The big excuse. It's too hard.
1: It's too hard.
0: It's difficult. It's tough. Change is hard. We don't have time. We don't have money. It's going to be so much work. It's going to be so much effort. You know, One of the things that we see people writing down, like 98% of people who are using their Start Today journal are writing about financial freedom. They're writing about being debt free. They're writing about saving money. Um, It's hard. That's hard to do. Getting healthy is hard. Having difficult conversations is hard. It's hard is not an excuse.
1: It's hard is a reality. Amen. And and the headline too is, if it were easy, everyone would have an exceptional relationship. If If it were easy, it wouldn't be a thing that felt rewarding. If it were easy, you wouldn't have a sense of fulfillment for having achieved it. If it were easy, you wouldn't grow from it. But the things that have you becoming... The kind of relationship that you want, the kind of individuals that you want, are always going to be hard.
0: Yeah, John Maxwell always says, "Everything worth having is uphill." That's good. Everything worth having is uphill. Uh, I was I I was thinking this as we ran the half this weekend. Uh, There's so many hills. (laughs) So So many hills. hills. Um, And someone had commented. I was talking about hills a few weeks back during training for the race, and someone said. I'm, I i do not know whose quote this is, but it was how you approach the hill is how you approach life.
1: I ran up that hill though. Right. I ran up that hill though. I right. screamed at the hill. I want more hills. Come <laughs> at me hill.
0: Uh, the, but how you approach the difficult thing that you're facing right now in your relationship is how you approach life. And I think this is especially prevalent for, for couples. Like, do you lock arms and face it together? Do you let the hard thing drive a wedge in between you? Do you run away from the hard thing? Do you bury it in alcohol or pills or food or you know avoidance or how are you numbing the thing? Like how you approach any hard thing is how you approach your life, and yeah, it's difficult, it's tough, but so are you.
1: I like the thing that Brendan, our friend Brendan Burchard, has. Uh, a saying, it's on t-shirts even, that's how much a saying it is, it's called Honor the Struggle. And it's really become something for me in a season where I've intentionally put myself into something that is hard and challenging to my sense of identity and having moved uh, from a place that I understood to a place that's a little more wily on the professional side. Um, I was making, and I, ha- I have, I've like made choices about trying to avoid having to deal with the struggle that weren't actually affording me the kind of growth that comes from the struggle. And so, like, flipping the way you see it's going to be hard as it being the way as opposed to it being an excuse, it being hard and surviving it will give you the the the, the, the toughness yeah. to, the, to know that you can actually take whatever the next thing is these are
0: the building blocks yeah and i think that if you see dave and i either as individuals or as a couple and you see success here it is because we have built the foundation one on top of another on top of another on top of another that's why you see things i think moving higher is because we're building foundational blocks that keep taking us forward. It started a long time ago by having hard conversations and getting healthy and going to therapy and doing the work. And every single time we sort of level up. But it doesn't mean there aren't more hard things once you level up. It just means that now you're better able to take them on.
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard. I think, too, like taking a little bit of the stigma out of like hoping that you're going to get to a place where it stops being hard will make you appreciate that hard is just part of life's bargain. And if you're like really, truly interested in something that feels next level, it's going to take pursuit through hard
0: stuff. You know what's crazy, too, is that life's hard no matter what. Oh, yeah. No matter what. I it's think how that, you look at it. Well, no, but I think that we can convince ourselves if we stay over here and we stay in our comfortable place and we don't make waves and we don't. You you could still get cancer. Your kid could still get hurt. You could still someone could still cheat on you. You could still lose your job. You could still get sideswiped. You could still like life is going to be hard no matter what by choosing the hard things you're willing to take on by gaining strength in your own hard things. There's some control. You, give, you have some control over how you earn those scars, over how you're made stronger so that when life is life and it throws a hard thing your way, now you're capable. All you're doing by hiding out is actually making yourself weaker so that when the hard thing shows up, you you feel powerless. You feel like you can't control you can't do anything because you've bought into this excuse that you're not capable of hard
1: reactive versus proactive you're reacting to hard things instead of proactively choosing how you navigate through them let's go i'm let's in go. come on let's go <laughs>
0: um, here's the thing guys you get to decide every single day to have a great relationship You get to decide to pursue your partner and to care for yourself. You get to decide those goals you're going to take on and the challenges that you're going to go after together. But in order to get anything to achieve anything, you first have to have a conversation about what are the excuses that you may be clinging to as a couple that prohibit you from being who you want to be.
1: Let go of them and go have a great relationship.